Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. All right, you can all have a seat. Is it on? Who said it was on? Praise the Lord. There it is. See? It's like a code word to get this thing rolling here, I guess. All right. Good morning. Uh, my name is Nick D'Antonio. I go to church here, and uh, I get to share with you guys this morning. I'm excited to do that. Um, I have the pleasure of going from a uh, uh, sweat lodge straight uh, to here. So uh, if you're in the front row, excuse my um, glistening. Um, um, I want to start something uh, a little bit different this morning. Um, on a more, uh, I guess, serious note. Um, this morning I got a text from my mom, and um, uh, she let me know that our, our, I guess it would be my step-grandfather passed away this morning. And um, he was 96, faithful man, so um, the truth is he is doing much, much better uh, right now than he was uh, a few hours ago. Um, but I just, I've thought this many times, and so I just want to share something really quick. Um, sadly, uh, because of sin, we live in a world that has death, and that's, it touches us all in a lot of different ways. And um, there's nothing, there's nothing to, there's nothing, to, you can't get away from it. So it all, it, it affects us all at different times in different, in different ways. Um, and, um, but um, having lost quite a bit, um, a father when I was 14, uh, stepfather, my step-grandfather's son, um, grandparents and, and, and things like that, um, I have learned that um, there is sufficient grace for circumstances like this, and there is no other option but to push further into Jesus. And so, for me, what that looks like is, for me, it's always been worship. And so, whether I'm out here or up there, it's, it, it doesn't really matter to me, but I kind of have learned to, to push into, into God, and there's, there's no other way. And um, I've learned that there's, you ha I've learned to mourn with hope. And that's what the Bible tells us. You, you, you don't mourn like those who don't have any hope. This life is a vapor compared to eternity. And what that man stepped into this morning is incredible. And he's never been happier. He, just, he is just starting um, the rest of his existence. Uh, and he's starting it with his family and his Savior. Um, and, um, but I just want to encourage you, when you encounter death, mourn with hope. Look to Jesus. There's no other way through. There's no better medicine. Um, get mad, be upset, be a human being, and have emotions and all of that. But in the end, I just encourage you to look to Jesus um, in that. So uh, let's just open in prayer together. Father, we just thank you for your grace, your fresh grace and mercy that's available every day. Lord, we just lay aside our lives and everything that um, we brought in with us today. And we thank you for meeting us in worship, Lord. As we lift your name high, Father, you are faithful to, to encounter us and to bless us and to um, bring us forward in life. And we just ask for your grace and your mercy today. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. 
I'm ready. You ready? I'm excited. Uh, all right, open up your Bibles or your apps, whatever you got. Deuteronomy. I want to talk about, happy Father's Day, by the way, to fathers out there. Yeah, thank you. I like being a father. Um, sometimes I can't believe I have three kids. Uh, it's crazy. I feel like I just got married and I was just like wanting to get married and wanting to have a wife and all of that stuff. And now I have three kids, um, so it's kind of um, crazy to me. And sometimes I'm surprised I, I only have three kids because it seems crazier than that. Uh, so you with uh, more than three kids, impressive, impressive. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, 9. All right, here we go, 7-9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and mercy for a thousand generations, for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Um, the part I want to focus is, is he is God, the faithful God. Uh, I want to share with you this morning, um, one point, really, and that is God is faithful. He's a faithful father. Um, I love this verse, and as I kind of looked into it, trying to figure out like what these words mean, and um, um, as I kind of did a little bit of searching and researching, um, what it's really saying is, of all the gods, he's the faithful one. This is the name we're going to use in this context He's the faithful God. You have all these gods, and we've heard of all these gods, different religions, and all these different things, but he is the faithful God. And I love that. I love that. He's the faithful God. I want to share kind of a brief overview of uh, David's life. So David, if you don't know the story, if you do, you'll hear it again. Um, David uh, is uh, he's a sheep herder. He's a farmer. He's nothing much to look at. He's the youngest of all his brothers. And the prophet comes to town, and it's time to pick a new king. And so they, the dad brings out all the brothers. He's like, it's got to be one of these. And even the prophet's like, yeah, it's got to be one of these big, good-looking guys. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. Is there anybody else? Like, well, I got some kid in the field, but I don't think you want him, right? He's like, oh, no, no, bring him out. So he brings him out, and he's like, boom, this is the guy. Let's anoint him king. He is the new king. So David now goes from one second he's, you know, a sheep herder. Second, next second later, he's now the next king of the country. He's the next president, right? It's kind of crazy. So I can imagine David sort of being like, all right, well, here's my staff, guys. Good luck with that. So where's the castle? We're heading over to the, to the castle. We got the, the army, everybody's, the servants and the towers and big, there's no castle? No, there's, there's no city yet? We don't have a, we have to fight for all that. I have to go back to the field. Oh, go back to the, okay, all right, I'll take that staff. Uh, probably a bit of a shock for him. Like, I would think, like, sweet, let's do this thing. And they're like, no, 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 you misunderstand. You need to go back to the, to the, to the sheep now. We'll, we'll call you when we're ready for you. So David goes back and goes back to the sheep. And he actually ends up becoming a musician for the, for the king. And um, then stuff, stuff starts to get really crazy. The king kind of gets this idea that, hey, David might actually be uh, kind of coming up behind me. 
And so he gets really mad. He kind of kind of goes crazy. And he goes, he's like hanging out at the castle, and the king's throwing spears at him. Like this is the equivalent of one of us becoming friends with Baron Trump and Trump coming at us one day with a baseball bat. Like this is, that, this is what that scenario looks like in today's world. Like it's kind of crazy. And um, not that Trump would do that, or maybe he would. I don't know. It depends what side of the alley you file on. So whatever side you want me to say, that's where I'm at. Um, um, <laughs> God bless our government. Um, so the king's throwing spears at him, and things just get crazy. He starts chasing him through the desert. This guy is anointed king, and he's running for his life from the king. He's the chosen one. God picked him, and he's out in the desert running from his life, hiding from caves, hiding in caves. It's crazy. Yet if you read the Psalms, you find that David's heart, although he was scared and weary and frustrated, he continually encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. I mean, that could be a whole sermon right there. When you're feeling down, fine, spill it out, just like David did, like, I feel this, and I'm for this. Then you say, but God, I trust you. You are faithful. I'm going to turn to you. So tiny sermon right there. Um, He believed in God and eventually becomes king. And not only does he become king, and not only is God faithful to David to, to, to bring his word to pass, he makes an everlasting covenant with David. And hundreds of years later, Jesus is in the line of David. God made a covenant with him. He gave David a promise, and he was faithful to see it through. His life was full of ups and downs, but you can always see that God was faithful. So I want to ask you this morning, is there something that God has spoken to you that you are still waiting for? Is there something that you hope for that you have not seen? Do you believe that God is faithful? Do you really believe it? We say it with our minds, and we say it because we're supposed to, and we say it because, well, it's in the Bible, so I guess I believe it. But do you really believe it when it comes down to it? Do you still believe God for that word? Do you still believe that that thing can still happen? Do you still believe for that loved one that's not saved or that person who's sick or whatever it might be? Do you really believe? I want to share some of my life with you. I've actually, didn't plan to obviously um, share some of the stuff I already did, but I want to share some stories from my life um, and um, just talk a little bit about how God's been faithful to me as a testimony. Thank God for AC, right? That thing's kicking right at me. Praise Jesus. Um, so my story, uh, I kind of already mentioned it. At 14, my dad got sick, passed away. Uh, for a 14-year-old kid, that's kind of crazy. Um, you really don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle it. Um, I had a good family around me, good church around me, good friends around me, but I was still kind of a kind of a lost kid, and I've just got a mom now, and, you know, I'm probably more emotional than I should be because it's only mom, so anyone who's encountered that, uh, actually, my wife's, you know, pretty happy with that, right? Good? You good with that? Slightly more emotional than most guys. Um, but just being raised by, you know, a single parent pretty much, and, you know, 14's a funny age because you're sort of in this transition phase, and so I started to transition into a teenager, but then I sort of lost my main my main example, and, um, but um, God was faithful to me. 
And as I drew near the end of, uh, if I drew near the end of high school, I knew that I was supposed to go to Bible school. I, God never spoke to me. I don't remember a time. I don't remember a date. I just remember thinking, like, I'm going to Elam. I, I know that's where I'm supposed to go, and I'm just going to go. And um, I remember thinking, like, that seems kind of funny. I don't know how I know that, but I just did. Um, and it was at Elam that I sort of transitioned from boy, teenager, to young adult. God brought me relationships, um, good friends, friends I'm still, I mean, part of why I'm even here and even standing in front of you today is because of Elam. Um, brought me relationships, people who would challenge me, right? That's good to have these kind of people in your life that say, hey, you need help. <laughs> You're, you, you, you have this issue in your life, and you probably should, should deal with it. Um, I remember one friend saying to me, you know, you should consider, you know, some counseling uh, with the death of your dad and stuff like that. I'm like, why? I don't, I'm fine. Bro, you ain't fine. You're, you're, I mean, you're not like a mess or anything, but you got some issues you need to deal with. And did. I went through some counseling, and I thought that it was really good, and I dealt with some stuff, and they were right. Um, I had people, teachers, and, 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 and lots of different people challenging me, but God really grew me up. Um, and he was faithful that even though I was fatherless, God was faithful to mature me, to grow me up, to bring me along, to put me in a place that I could become a young adult, um, a place that I could just grow up, and I don't know what I would be like without that. And, and, and I'm just so grateful. He has been so faithful to me in all these different areas. So after, after I go to, to Bible college, I'm like, all right, I went to Bible college. I guess I'm going to go into ministry now. Like, all right, like, who's hiring? Give me a call. I'm here. I went to Bible college. I'm Nick D'Antonio, so let's do this. Who's, who, who's paying? Let's, who's doing this thing? Nobody's calling? Okay, great, great. Uh, no work? All right, I guess I'll get a job. So I got a job at a restaurant, and... Um, I did that for about a year, ended up working at a music store, and I just, like, nothing was wrong, but I knew that God had called me to more. I knew that he had put something in my heart to, um, that, like, wasn't being fulfilled. And I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I just wasn't growing, and I knew that I needed more. So I just was like, man, I just, I just need something, God. I just need something. And so I was hanging out with, um, with some friends. Actually, I was hanging out with Jeremy Lonneville. And I knew all these guys from camp growing up, Camp Judah, go to camp, it's the best ever. Um, so I, I knew all these guys, and so I was hanging out with Jeremy, and he's like, hey, we're going, hey I'm going to Africa with my dad. I'm like, oh, cool, can I come? And like, if I could look at myself from the side, it would have been like, excuse me, you want to go to Africa? Why would you say that? We don't go to Africa. We stay at home. We, we, we pray for people who go to Africa. We don't go to Africa. We stay here where it's comfortable. We have air conditioning. We don't do this kind of stuff. And, um, but something inside of me like, literally like, came out of my mouth, and I was like, I guess I'm okay with this after a minor like, freak out. Um, and I just sort of forgot about it. And then like, two, like a week or so later, Pastor Chris calls me. He's like, hey, we don't usually you know, bring outside people from our church on our trip, but Jeremy said you wanted to go, so you know, we want you to come with us. And I was like, whoa, this is getting real. Uh, so, but I was like, you know what? I kind of feel like it's God, so I'm just going to go. So I go, and it was in Africa that for the first time in my life, I actually said and meant, God, I will go 
wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I had said this before. I prayed it before, but I never really truly meant it. And to prove to myself that I meant it, I was going to figure out what's the last place I want to go. What is the last place I want to go? So worst case scenario for me. Now, understand, understand that I'm from Buffalo, from Clarence more specifically, suburbs. We had our own little, I know, house with our private land and my dogs and my comfortable room and my own, you know, everything, you know, TV, everything. This is all very comfortable. I feel very good about this. My friends are here. The mall is here. Starbucks is here. All the restaurants are right here. I have my own little property, but we're very close to all of these nice things that I like spending money on. And then I thought, you know what? I would hate to move to like a small town like Warsaw. Now, forgive me, I don't have anything against the town of Warsaw. It's just the opposite of what I was used to. Um, and so I was like, you know what? That's probably like, that's the last place I want to go. So God, if you want me to go to Warsaw, I will go to Warsaw. Where did God call me? Warsaw, that's right. Um, I can't remember if it was in that moment or shortly after, but it was pretty quick. I remember saying, oh, you're funny. You're so funny, Lord. You're really funny. Um, okay, fine. I will move to, I will, yes, I said yes, Lord, and I meant it. And within a few weeks, Pastor Chris and, and Pastor John came to me and a friend of mine and said, hey, we want to do a, a mentorship program. You could be involved with the worship and, and, and uh, youth ministry, that kind of stuff. And there were three things that I was praying for, mentorship, youth ministry, and uh, worship ministry. And they offered me all those three. And so it was very obvious. But at first, I, did not, I didn't want to. But the more I said, this is the point of the story. The more I said yes, the more I said, okay, not what I want, what you want, the more my heart changed. The more it became my joy. So at the point that I finally moved here, it was my joy to move here. God had changed my heart. So the point of the story is not that God tells you, where you, don't, tells you to go where you don't want to go. That's just funny. Um, the point of the story is that as you say yes to God, he will open doors and, and change your heart. And God was faithful to do that. He was faithful to bring me along. And it was here that I became, went from a young adult to a man. Um, and he taught me all of these things. He put people in my life. He was faithful not to leave me where I was, but to bring me along. I had never heard the words work hard before. No one ever said that to me. No one ever said be a man. And I think those are, for me, those are two very important things in my life that I, I think about often and like, what does a man do in this situation? What does a hard worker do in this situation? I mean, hard work, but please, I'm like, I want to sit home and like just hang out and not, I want to work hard. Like, that sounds hard. No thanks. Um, but, God taught me to be faithful, and he put people in my life to challenge me. Um, I can remember when I first moved here, I was broke, like broke, broke, no money, in debt, broke. Um, I don't think I, ha I think I had to borrow money to get, like, even get a down payment on our apartment. And um, I remember just being really frustrated with that, and John said to me, who is your provider? Are you your provider, or is God your provider? I'm like, oh, God, you keep challenging me, fine. You are, my, you are my provider, but I changed it. And since that day, two things have happened. One, I've always tithed, no matter what. Two, I've never needed. I've had little, but I've never needed. 
God has been faithful to me. Again, that's a whole sermon in itself. God will be faithful in your finances. He will be faithful to provide what you need. I learned that I was selfish. I didn't know that. Uh, I learned not to be. A little bit anyway. I try. That's probably a lifelong, I'm sure, for all of us. Um, I learned how to be a leader. I learned how to be a husband. I learned how to be a father. And when I didn't have a father, God was faithful, not to just give me father figures, but older brother figures and, and family figures. And, and I would truly look at the Lonneville family like a second family to me. John is like an older brother, even though he, I'm six months older. Hey, when the Lord anoints, the Lord anoints. That's, I mean, that's the end of that. Um, he's been a, a faithful, faithful brother to me, and, and Pastor Chris and Karen have been, you know, integral parents in my life, and I'm, I'm so grateful for how God has used both of you as, as a father and a mother and as an example to me. God was faithful when I didn't have it. He gave me not just enough, but he gave me more. And the thing about that is, is not that just that it wasn't, it wasn't just magic. He gave me opportunities to respond. So I could have very easily picked other things. I could have said no to Warsaw. I could have said no to Africa. I could have said no to Bible school. But he gave me opportunities. He was faithful to give me opportunities. And it just my, barely, my heart just barely turns to him. And he's into, into full mode. And he brings me along. Because I responded, God brought me here. He turned me into uh, a faithful son and taught me how to be a Christ follower. He was faithful to me. God is faithful. Do you believe it? Do you believe it for your life? Do you truly believe it? Moving forward, at this point, I'm in my late 20s. Still single? Late 20s. Late 20s. Still single. Lord Jesus, I need a wife. And um, so God brings uh, the opportunity uh, along. Um, we kinda, God and I kind of tag team on, on meeting my wife because uh, I was the director of camp, and we were short on staff, and I was short on females in my life. So I did the only obvious thing and got on Facebook and invited uh, a very nice female to come be on staff, and she came. And um, about Wednesday of that week, I was pretty sure I could marry her, like, the following week and we'd make it. It might be rough, but we could get married right away. In fact, there were a few egging me on to do such a thing. I believe there was quite a bit of money on the table uh, <laughs> just to go ahead and just jump in and get married. But I used wisdom, decided to take things at a slower pace. And so we got together, uh, Liz and I, and um, the truth is I was terrified, terrified of being in this kind of serious relationship. I could not talk about marriage. Like, couldn't even think about it. I was just, I was, had a lot of fear. In fact, I got to the point where it was like, all right, John, I don't feel like this thing's working. You know, I think I'm going to break up with Liz. And John, and if you know Kevin, who's a really good friend of mine, uh, used to go to church here, both of them said to me, like, dude, you better not screw this up. That girl is amazing. You're an idiot. If you, you, I, we'll kill you. We'll kill you. This is, it's, it's just simple. If you break up with her, we'll kill you. And I was like, whoa, this is pretty serious. Like, you know you're in a good relationship when your pastor and your best friend are like, dude, don't, don't blow it. Don't ruin it. Like, this is a good thing. It's a sure sign you're doing fine. Uh, and um, I really took that. I was like, okay, God, like, and started praying about it. And I, I, we stayed together, thankfully. 
And um, up until two weeks before we got engaged, I was terrified. Fear just gripped my heart. Um, I don't even know if I can define what it was. I was just afraid of long-term relationship, probably of hurt and past experiences and, you know, just lots of different things. But God spoke to me. I can remember I was working next door at the Redemption Center. I remember I'm working, and God's like, I want you to marry her. Why don't you ask her to marry her? I'm like, what? Huh? Jesus? Like, it wasn't a voice, but in my heart, I just knew it. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, I feel good about this. Is this real? Is this real? I get all giddy and real happy. And um, I want you to do it in two weeks. Okay, okay, that's fast. All right, but you know what? I feel peace in my heart about this. This is amazing. Uh, and then do it at this conference. We used to do a big, big conference with, uh, you know, six, 700 kids in Buffalo. And uh, do it there in front of everybody. Like, okay, 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 okay. Okay, now we're kind of, okay, no, this sounds fun. This sounds fun. Um, but again, as I like kind of turned my heart, like God broke fear off me. He was faithful to only not only answer my prayers and give me an incredible woman, but to break this fear off me. And Liz and I joke about it now. Like, she's like, you didn't even talk about, you wouldn't even talk about like more than three weeks down the road. And like within a week, I'm like, so what do you think about getting married sometime? In fact, the morning of that I asked her, I was like, so if I asked you like next week, would you say yes? I mean, if I'm going to do it in front of all these people, I need her to say, like, <laughs> I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm like, I just need this girl to confirm that she's going to say yes before I do it. And her face is like, like, you won't even talk about a month from now, and you want to talk about getting married? Like, what is this? And she, of course, she's like, yeah, I'd say yeah. I was like, cool, cool. All right, see you later. See you later. P.S. Wear something nice tonight. Although I didn't say that, and I should have. Poor girl came out in rain boots. Doesn't, doesn't uh, let me live it down. It's the moral of the story, if you're going to ask someone to marry you, make sure they're dressed well that day, all right? Um, the moral of this, tr- truly moral of the story, is that God was faithful. When I was terrified, he took my prayers, he heard my prayers, he brought somebody along that everybody around me knew was the right girl. He put friends in my life that spoke to me. And again, I could have said no. I could have run, I could have turned away, but I responded. And when I did, God brought it all together. He was faithful to give me the chance. He was faithful to give me the opportunity. He was faithful to put people around me. He brought me the right wife at the right time. I would have said, you know, hey, you know, you know 23 would have been nicer. 20, 24, 25, I was 29, I think, when we finally got married. Um, but God was faithful to do it in his time. And sometimes that's hard. That's what happened with David, right? So David gets anointed, and it's like, I, I'm, I didn't look how many years, but it's many years. Anybody know? PC, you know how many years it was? Seven? Seven? Of course, seven. Biblical number is seven. David waits a long time. God was faithful. So we get married. And about a year after being married, Judah is born. Most of you have been around, but to know, I'm just going to tell a brief bit of the story, but Judah was born, our first, our first son, one year into marriage, two years of knowing each other, and Judah's born with significant, significant uh, issues. Uh, he basically had half a heart. Uh, without major surgery within the next few days, uh, he, would not, he would not survive. In fact, it's so severe that when the doctors told us this, and we had no idea going in, um, 
when the doctors told us this, they said, if you want to take him home and let nature take its course, which it will, quickly, if you want to take him home, we won't stop you. We know the road is so hard for patients and for families that we won't call CPS, Child Protective Services, we won't make a big deal. If you just want to go home and let this, let this happen, we'll let you, which is, my understanding, pretty rare. Um, so after a few minutes and many tears, um, the faithful wife that God brought me, um, we, we knew what we were going to do. There was no option. There was no real decision to be made. We were going to give Judah every chance. We were going to trust God. We were going to trust God. How is it that we could look death and hardship in the face and say, bring it on? We knew God was faithful. I believed God would be faithful. I don't know what would have happened, and I knew that there was a chance, and a decent chance, that he would not be here in a week. But I believed God would be faithful. I believed his word would be true. Everything I've learned in my past life would be true, that God would remain faithful no matter what happened. I knew. I knew what I would do. God would be faithful. He had shown himself faithful in my life. He had shown himself faithful all throughout his word and through the people around me, through the many sermons I've heard probably just like this. I knew God was faithful, and I chose to believe it again. So a few days later, open heart surgery. We'd stay the next five months in the hospital, basically moving into the Ronald McDonald house. Uh, He had three to four more major surgeries and countless minor ones in that time. But God was faithful. More ups and downs than I can remember. Way more ups and downs than I can remember. And there are two instances in that experience that have marked my life. I'm going to share both of them with you. We were, um, so we were living in the Ronald McDonald House, which is a place for families that can stay for free um, if you've got a, a sick, sick child in a hospital, which is incredible. I'm so grateful for that, for that, uh, for that work. And they actually had a, a floor right above Judah's floor uh, that we could stay. Um, and we stayed for a long time, which is, which is rare. Usually they move you to the, to the house that's about a mile away um, pretty quickly, but we were there for seven weeks. Um, I joke that we set the record. Um, we were just nice to people, and they kind of kept us around, which is, which is really nice. It's super convenient to live upstairs. Um, and, um, and I think, you know, maybe God has something to do with that, too. Okay, okay, I'm going to correct myself. And PC. It was 15 years David had to wait. That sounds harder. I like that. 15 years David had to wait to when he was anointed to when he was made king. Makes my... Ten years of waiting for a wife seem less impressive. Way to go, David. Showing me up. Um, so, um, so we're staying upstairs in the hospital, and I mean, I, I, the emotional roller coaster of, of dealing with something like this, it was one step forward, two steps back, on a daily basis. Um, I joke that Liz and I like, had five years of marriage in like three months because every day was a major decision, and like, we were talking through and experiencing all these insane things together. And um, I can remember one day, it was a particularly hard day. I, something had happened with Judah, um, and she was upstairs sleeping, kind of took turns, in the, especially in the beginning, because she was you know, still recovering from having a baby. And um, 
I remember I just went upstairs, and I knew that my, I had taken all I could take in. You know, as the father, as the husband, as the man, I'm trying to carry things, and I think to a degree that's what you should do. You, should, you ought to be strong. You ought to be able to carry some of that weight. But there's a limit to all of us, and sometimes we try to carry too much. And I was just, I'm just in survival mode still at this point. And I remember going up to the room. I think Liz was asleep, and I think I got her up. And I, I, we went over to have like a little couch. And I remember just sitting down, and I just broke. I mean, sobbing like I had never sobbed before in my life. I was full. I could not carry any more. There was, there was no more room. I just remember, that's how I felt. Like I felt like a, like, a, like a cup that had just been carrying all this stuff. And now I'm just, it's, that was it. The thing that just happened is now I cannot take it anymore. I remember feeling so much pain, so much hurt, and such frustration, and just every emotion you feel in those kinds of circumstances. And I remember, I remember all I, I knew that I needed Jesus. It was, it was all I could think. I remember, I remember we were sitting on the couch. I remember that I'm, that I'm kind of hugging Liz, and I'm probably limp at this point. She's hugging me probably is more how, how it was. Um, that was just a mess. But I remember being so desperate for God. I remember that I needed him. I knew that I needed him. Liz wasn't enough. Uh, anything else that you would do to make yourself feel better in, the, in that kind of circumstance was not enough. Everything, nothing, nothing was enough. And I remember feeling like, as I look back at it now, it must have been like the woman with the issue of blood who's looking for Jesus. She's had this issue for years. She's seen every doctor. She's had every person pray for her. Every situation. She's done all she can do to fix it, and she can't fix it. And she's desperate, and she's pushing through the crowd, and she falls, and she knows if she can just grab the edge of his clothes, something will happen. She believed, and that's how I felt. I knew I had to reach to God. I knew that I needed something more than what I was getting. And I turned, and I can remember barely opening my eyes, looking out the window, and just saying, Jesus. It was all I could get out. It was all I could say. It was nothing more. There was no fancy prayer. There was no, oh, Father of, there was none of that. It was just, it was all I could say was Jesus. And I just remember just reaching, feeling like I was just reaching. And, and just like the woman with the issue of blood, just like Peter falling in the water, he caught me as I reached in. And in that moment, like that peace flooded the room flooded my soul, flooded my emotions, and everything that I was feeling, I just felt better. I understood peace that surpasses all understanding. I remember looking at Liz being like, I feel better. Do you feel better? Yeah, I feel, I feel like better. I'm like, yeah, something's better. And just like trying to like piece together what had just happened. And I realized that I had encountered God. His peace met me. He was faithful. He had shown himself faithful. I was broken and desperate, and I just reached to him, and he met me, and he gave me exactly what I needed. He was faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. The other instance is, um, you know, we were, so we were kind of staying in Rochester, and um, the first few weeks we didn't go to church, not because I didn't want to go to church so much, or maybe a little bit. Um, I, um, we were just worn out. We were exhausted. We were, like I said, in survival mode at that point. Um, and I wasn't mad at God. I just, honestly, I just didn't want, I, just, I didn't want to, I didn't want anyone to know who I was. I don't want anyone to pray for me. I didn't want anyone to see me. I don't want to be in a service and start crying and then everyone's praying. I just, I, like, 
I'm, I would have appreciated the care, but I just really just needed space. And after a few weeks, I was like, okay, I think I want to go find a church. We found a big church we could disappear in. And so we went to this big church for a few weeks, and that was, that was good. And I was like, ah, I need more than this. I'm not ready to go back to Warsaw yet, but I, I need more than this. And we hadn't been back. We, in fact, we weren't back in Warsaw for a few months. Um, we were thankful to have friends that would just bring us stuff. Um, and so we, we went to another church. We went to a friend's church that was a little smaller, more this style of worship, a little more, you know, just a ministry-based kind of church. And I remember, um, I remember towards the end of the service being like, man, I think I'm ready to get some, I think I'm ready to get some prayer. I think I, I, think I want to go up and, and, and get some prayer. And there was some kind of altar call that made me feel like I, I would fit into whatever they were talking about. And so um, I, I went up, and I'm, I'm going to the front, and I'm just, you know, you kind of wait, wait your turn. And um, I see a woman there, and I'm like, okay, well, whatever. They can pray for me. And, so I, and I, so I step up. I'd never seen this woman in my life before. Um, I don't think she'd ever seen me in her life before. And uh, I start telling her, hey, you know, my son's in the hospital, and he's got this, he just had heart surgery, and it's been really hard. And I just start sharing, and she says, wait, is this baby Judah? Are you Nick? God had sent me somebody who was already praying for me. I had no idea who this woman was. I mean, when she said that, like I was, you know, if I'd have a hanky, I'd have it. You know what I mean? Just I was, I mean, God, it just hit me so hard in that moment. God was so faithful. He knew what I needed. And not just giving me someone who would pray a prayer that I needed to hear or give me something that I needed. He sent someone that's been praying for me, someone who knows my story, who's been reading Facebook and the blog and knows everything that's going on. And so she's just praying for me. And I get up, and I'm just like, you know, again, a mess. Like, <laughs> thank you. And, and we start talking a little bit. Turns out I'm shooting a wedding the next weekend, and she's the mother of the groom. Um, and so <laughs> um, it was really, really amazing. Um, another example of God just saying, son, I know where you are. I know what you're going through. I see you. I see where you're at. And each time that I would reach out, he was faithful. He was faithful to meet me. He was faithful to be true to his word when he says, my grace is sufficient. Should this happen? Should Judah be suffering and going through all this stuff? Should we be feeding? No, of course not. I don't want any of this to happen. I'm praying that it wouldn't happen. I'm praying that it would stop. I'm praying that he would be healed and we can go home and never have to deal with any of these issues again. But that didn't happen. But I still believe God is faithful. His grace was sufficient. He was faithful and true to his word. He was true to his word. He was faithful to meet me in my hour of need. He gave me the grace and peace to continue on. And I found that that is a lot of what life is. Even Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about struggling. We don't know what it is. It's probably better that we don't know what it is. We can all sort of apply it to ourselves. The thorn in his flesh. And he prays and he prays. It doesn't happen. What is his response? Well, God says to him, my grace is sufficient. And Paul says, okay, show me. (laughs) Help me out here. God met me in my deep, deep hour of need. Whether it was bringing me to Warsaw or, or, or sending me friends, God has been faithful. 
just like with David. He promised David he would be king. He would reign over everything. A sheep herder. He's nobody. He's the least of everybody. Even in his own family, you will be king. But not yet. Fifteen years go by. And he has to wait and believe that God was faithful. So we started with David. We want to talk a little bit about Peter as we wrap up here. Uh, Pastor Chris has talked about Peter quite a bit the last um, month or so. Um, I love Peter. Every time we get a P, he's like, we're going to talk about Peter today. I'm like, yes, Peter. I love me some Peter. Why? Because Peter screwed up. And you know who else screwed up? Me. And I love the redemption. I can't wait to meet Peter. Like, man, I hope, I hope my, you know, Grandpa Jim who passed this morning, I mean, I hope his family, family, family. If it's me, I'm like, where's Peter at? Where is Peter at? My man, my man, let's go, let's go, let's go talk. I want to talk to Peter. I want to hang out with Peter. Um, I love it because he's so real. He's so like, he says dumb stuff. He does dumb things. And God's like, all right, well, come on, come on. Oh, I love it. It's just my, it's, it's, just my, it's one of my favorite characters of, of the Bible. So, okay, Romans 3. Romans 3. If you got it, if you got your Bible, your Bible app. Romans 3, verse 3. I love this. Paul is making the case. And he says, what if some were unfaithful? Would their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? If you're unfaithful, Peter, if you're unfaithful, does that nullify God's faithfulness says no, not at all. Thank God, right? Because, man, if his faithfulness depended on my faithfulness, I'd be in a world of trouble. Peter made many, many mistakes, as have we all. Yet God was still faithful to him. See, early on, Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you greatly. You're going to be one of the main leaders in the new church. The new church, like this is it. The whole world has been waiting since the fall of Adam and Eve. We have been waiting for Jesus to come, die, be raised again, and the Holy Spirit to come. Like you're the guy. You're one of the key guys. Just like Peter, your unfaithfulness, my unfaithfulness does not make God unfaithful. Even though Peter made mistakes, sinned, he built his church. Peter was one of the main leaders. Peter was the one to address the crowd when the Holy Spirit fell. So this is it. This is a big, 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 big deal. This may be one of the most important events in all, literally in all of history. And Peter gets up. He's the guy. He explains what happened in many get saved. Peter was so anointed by God that he's just walking through the city and his sh- people are putting bodies in his shadow and they're getting healed. God's healing people through P- Peter's shadow. 
They're bringing the sick out, like, oh, Peter's coming, quick. It's okay if he doesn't pray. Just get a shadow to pass by, and God will heal him. That's how powerful and anointed Peter was. That's how God used him. God is still faithful even when we make mistakes. God is still faithful even when we are. The truth is, I mean, the truth is none of us are. We all make mistakes. We all have sinned. We've all fallen short. He's a faithful God, and he's a faithful father. You know, for some of you, the term father, when it talks about God, might be tough. Maybe your experience with your own father has been less than what you want it to be. And I, I can tell you that that's, you know, looking at God as a father is difficult sometimes. But I have to look and go, you know what, God has been faithful. He's given me others to look at. I don't know why my dad passed away. I don't know, I, I don't know why that... I, I don't know why it had to be him. I don't know why some people make it and some people don't and some whatever. I don't know. But God has been faithful to bring people into my life to teach me what I need to what I needed to learn. I want to tell you that you can look to Him. He is a faithful Father. He is a faithful God. God is faithful. And sometimes we have to choose to look, and that's hard. Right? You just want it to be like, oh I, just, oh, I just believe it, and everything feels great. I like this. This is easy. Sometimes it's not that easy. Sometimes you don't feel like it at all. Sometimes you don't, you don't even want to believe it. But I believe the key to being a successful human and Christian and moving forward in your life is that sometimes you've got to choose to do it. You've got to choose to believe that God is faithful. God is faithful, even if we are not. God is faithful. Even if you've stopped believing that he is, guess what? He still is. And I challenge you, I beg you to look again and to muster up the strength to look and to see it again. God is faithful. If you don't believe that, I submit that the problem isn't him. Because I've been through some things, I've walked through some things, and I have every time chosen, with plenty of ups and downs, don't get me wrong, there's no no perfect path here. But in the end, I've always chosen to believe God is good and God is faithful. And he has proven it to me over and over and over again. Let's stand together. Let's redeclare in our lives that God is faithful. So speak it to yourself. Speak it to your situation. Speak it to the thing that God spoke to you years ago that you haven't seen past, the thing you even forgot about. God, I pray you'd even remind people right now of words you spoke to them, truth you spoke to them, promises you gave them, dreams and visions and ideas, inventions. 
Speak it over those things. Speak to yourself. That's what David did. I mean, man, when you're, when you're frustrated, when you're having a hard time, look, just start reading Psalms. Read Psalms, go search Google, Psalms David wrote, and you will find frustration, anger, angst. Peter, uh, David said, I'm so miserable that when I walk through the streets, people don't even want to be near me. But God, I look to you. That's what we need to do. So speak to your unbelief. Speak to the words God gave you. Speak to your hopes and dreams. Breathe faith and life into them. As I pray, do this in your situation. So Father, I just thank you that you are a good Father, that you are a good God. And despite the frustrations and the hard things of this life, you remain faithful. You remain good. We just declare, God, that you are faithful. You are faithful. When I don't feel like it, you are faithful. When everything looks dark and difficult and frustrating, you are good and you are faithful. God, we turn our hearts to you and we declare, we redeclare in our life that you are faithful, that you are God. You are the faithful God. Of all these things that beg for my attention and draw me away, you are the faithful one. You are the only faithful one. We choose to believe it. We choose to look to you. Father, forgive us for looking other places, to TV and alcohol and whatever else, God, to numb feelings and our frustrations in life. God, we turn to you and declare that you are faithful and you are good. Lord, I thank you for how you've proven yourself to me, the grace, Lord, that you have towards me, that you are patient with me, with Peter, with David, with each of us. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you that this life is not the end. Our hope is in you. Our hope is in you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So... God is faithful. Believe it. Write it down. Tell it to yourself when you're being a turkey. Uh, so, uh, but go. Be blessed. Have a great day. Have a great week. God is faithful. Amen.